This is Gene Lance on the Workers' Beat Extra. I want to tell you a little bit about labor history. This is my favorite topic, as you might well guess. I just read a book by an author named Jess Walter called The Cold Millions. It was written in 2020 or published in 2020. He lives in Spokane, Washington. The book is about his town during 1909 to 1910, which is a very important part of American labor history because they had what they called the Spokane free speech fight. At that time, over 500, in fact, probably over 600 members of the Industrial Workers of the World, the IWW, they called it, or the Wobblies, those people got on a soapbox one at a time and tried to make a speech in public. The reason was because the town had passed an ordinance to keep union organizers from speaking to the public. So they were getting on a soapbox one at a time. This took days to get them all arrested. They filled the jail and then they overflowed into an old school building, I think. And they suffered terribly through that winter. They were not only beaten, they were also starved. They were also overheated and then frozen. And then overheated and then frozen again. And then given the third degree and generally tortured. Uh, some of them died. Uh, some of them never got over it. But they won. The Spokane free speech movement eventually won. And people in Spokane got their constitutional right to stand up on a soapbox on a sidewalk and speak to the public, just as we were uh, guaranteed in the Bill of Rights. This is a period that's been covered in history before, but the thing that this author, Jess Walter, does is really bring it to life. For example, I've read in several books that the IWW members got up on soapboxes and tried to speak. Many of them, rather than writing their own speech, many of them were reading the Declaration of Independence. And they got arrested for reading the Declaration of Independence and put in jail. And that sounds like an orderly process because that's how we would do it today. If some uh, union people get arrested, and they still do from time to time, they usually work it out in advance with the police. The police are standing there with extra handcuffs and zip ties. They do whatever it is they were going to do for civil disobedience. The police then arrest them, generally one at a time, and take them away to jail, generally one at a time, where their lawyers are already waiting for them. That's civil disobedience today. But in 1909, it was not like that. These guys were beaten. Uh, they were roughed up right there on the spot. It was really more of a bedlam. There was a very uh, torn up kind of event that went on for days where people would get on these soapboxes, the cops would knock them off the soapboxes, take them down, beat them up, arrest them, 
and uh, then haul them off into these very dirty, bad conditions in the jails. This guy, Jess Walter, the author, he describes this very, very well. And he takes a full book to talk about what happened in Spokane from 1909 to 1910. He doesn't really uh, go into analyzing it or anything. It's not really labor history to him. It's just a fascinating period in his hometown. So I recommend the book. It's called Cold Millions. You won't learn anything that you didn't already know if you studied labor history, but you'll, you'll feel it. You'll get to know what it felt like. Now, if you, you want a real labor history story about Spokane, the thing I would do is read the biography of Elizabeth Gurley Flynn. It's called The Rebel Girl, an autobiography, My First Life, 1906-1926. International Publishers, New York, and it was published in 1955. When it was published, she was in prison. This is the kind of life that Elizabeth Gurley Flynn led. She's a character in that other book I was just talking about, The Cold Millions. And she is a fascinating character. She was only 19 years old and about six months gone in pregnancy when she took on the town of Spokane, raised the money, tried to get people out, hired the lawyers, wrote the articles, raised heck, in other words. And I think if any one person is credited with having won the Spokane free speech fight, it was Elizabeth Gurley Flynn. But in her version, in her biography, in her autobiography, she only gives it a, maybe five pages because she lived such a life packed with these kinds of thrills and this kind of historical importance that even in her book, which only goes in the first 20 years of her life of activism, which was also, by the way, the heyday of the Industrial Workers of the World, the IWW. So she packs it all in in her great autobiography called The Rebel Girl. One thing I like about the book is that she is very, very honest and forthright, as well as succinct. She uh, lets people know, not by criticism, but by just saying what happened. Uh, she lets people know what actually happened to the industrial workers of the world because that's the most romantic period in American labor history, and everybody wants to know, well, what happened to them? What happened to them, of course, was that the government crushed them, but it's, but it's not that they didn't make their own mistakes. For example, Flynn talks about the great uh, textile organizing drive in Lawrence, Massachusetts, that they won. She and the other leaders of the industrial workers of the world won that in 1912. But before the year was over, they had pretty much lost the union that they built. And she said, quote, the union was unable to hold the workers as dues-paying members. Most of us were wonderful agitators, but poor union organizers. That's one of several faults of the industrial workers of the world that you learn about when you read Elizabeth Gurley Flynn's book, 
the rebel girl. Almost all of the successes of the IWW came before 1926, when this account ends. Elizabeth Gurley Flynn applied to join the Communist Party in 1927. She was sick then, and she suffered a long illness before returning to full-time activism in 1936, and eventually in 1961, becoming chairperson of the Communist Party. She roughed out this book in 1955 while fighting to keep herself and other party leaders out of prison. By the time the book came out, she was in prison, along with the rest of the leadership, and was not allowed to see the book. It is a lasting shame that her lifetime of active struggle was so busy that it prevented her from writing the other half of this great American labor biography. This is Gene Lance on the Workers Beat Extra.